This program is brought to you by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. We are in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 24. And if you remember last time, I mentioned uh, specifically in this chapter how there is a lot of uh, figurative languages used in reference to the destruction of Jerusalem. You may remember me saying that if there are, if, he, if signs are mentioned, if definite signs are mentioned about a certain activity coming to play, that it could not be a reference to the end of time. Uh, because Christ does not begin to actually, actually answer that question until verse 36. Uh, and so, uh, as we see here, as we're looking through here, where we're still at in verse 24, is still referencing the destruction of Jerusalem is not a reference to the judgment day or as we call it sometimes the end of time uh that is there are no signs that point to christ's coming so let's uh with that said let's look at matthew 24 and verse 24 again reading from the new king james it says here for false christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive if possible even uh the elect and so we know that there are those who are skillful and when it comes to trying to fooling people. I mean, how, how else could that be explained other than those who still believe today that someone can go and raise someone from the dead? Uh, and I think about uh, when I was in preaching school, uh, the, the instructor gave an example. He, he and another uh, brother, another preacher, uh, went to a uh, meeting. I forget the term he used to describe it, but they were – that this – meeting this group was going to raise this person from the dead and so as you walked in it was under i think it was under like a, a big tent kind of like a tent meeting set up and they were under a big tent and they walk in and there's this person lying there well as they walked in i don't believe it's him i think it was the person who's with him had what was called a hat pin they kind of just reach over and just poke that person and who was laying there who was supposed to he was, was supposedly dead well that person leapt and jumped and freaked out because they weren't really dead. But they were there, and the guys that they were going to raise that person who wasn't dead back from the dead. And that's why we find here this idea of these false Christs and false prophets who will show great signs and wonders to deceive. That's a good example of that. Those who will do such things, and they're very, very deceitful. Um, looking here at verse uh, 24, he says, If possible, even the elect, means even those who are followers of Christ. He says, See, I have told you beforehand, verse 25, and he's telling him in advance. Therefore, he says, If they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the, son of, will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, the eagles will be gathered together. Now, this is, in this context here, immediate context, the immediate context, is we're talking about the idea that those who are saying, well, Christ is here, Christ is there. He's saying, when we notice here, he says in verse um, 27, he says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Meaning, when Christ returns, it's going to be so quick. You won't have time to go to the desert or time to go, uh, as he says here, to one of these inner rooms. He says, don't believe it. Because when he comes, it's not going to be secret like, oh, he's over here, but nobody knows it. That's where he's at. No, that's not what's happening. 
When Christ comes back, the Bible tells us that every eye will behold him, every knee and tongue, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Well, that tells us it's going to be a public return. All people will see him. So there's no reason for someone to say, well, he's over here, or he's over here. No, it's going to happen quickly, and all will see him. Uh, looking at verse 28, he says here, for uh, wherever the carcass is, the eagles will be gathered together. Uh Jerusalem is described many times as a corpse or a fallen body, and it's ready to be devoured by the Romans. Just as vultures find dead bodies, so Titus and the Romans will find Jerusalem. Uh, Titus being uh, those who were being, I believe they're, if I remember correctly, one of the leaders during that time, and the Romans will find Jerusalem. They'll find it being ready to be just to be picked apart because it's, it's so wicked, and uh, they're going to be able to overcome it very easily. Wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Uh, looking at verse um, 29 here. Uh, now again, some headings in our Bibles will have the coming of the Son of Man here in verse 29. No. That is, that is a terrible heading because uh, he doesn't actually even begin to talk about uh, those types of things until later. Uh, as we mentioned already before, back down in verse 36. Looking at verse 29, he says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, which means the persecution during that time period, he says, The sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers of, of heaven will be shaken. Well, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. When there is destruction, there is smoke, there is, when there is fire, there is smoke, right? And we all know, you know, if you talk to someone who's been in a battle, soldiers or anything like that, just as we've seen in probably some movies, where things where where there are battles, there's always going to be smoke. Well, smoke and fire and those types of things are going to darken the sky. When when you, someone if, if a bomb is dropped and there's destruction, obviously, smoke and dust goes in the air. And he's saying here it's going to be so thick that you won't be able to see the sun and the light from the sun over the moon. That's what he's talking about here. That the Jerusalem is going to be burning. It's going to be on fire. It's going to be smoke in the air, and you won't be able to see the sun or the moon because of it. That's the idea he's talking about here. He's not talking about some some miraculous event where the sun will not shine and the moon will not. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the destruction being so great that the smoke will actually make it difficult for the light from the sun and the moon to come through. He says the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. What he's talking about here are those powers there in Jerusalem. Those those leaders are going to fall from their positions. Some. Uh, I think as we find here in context, that either being they're going to be mean they're going to be killed. He says, "Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven." Looking there at verse thirty. Uh, now, this language is also the kind of language that describes the Lord's second coming of the great day of judgment. However, the language also describes what happens at the destruction of Jerusalem. These Jews had asked for a sign. And they will see the sun. Thank you, Ron, for meowing and putting your two cents in. Uh, however, the language also describes what happens at the destruction of Jerusalem. These Jews had asked for a sign, and they will see the sun is his coming in judgment upon Jerusalem and the fulfilling of the prophecies that have been made in this regard. The destruction will be uh, will be of such devastation and such manifestation of God's power and glory that all the tribes shall mourn, as we see there in verse 30. And so... Again, this is what's what's being discussed here. The sign is the destruction. The sign the Son of Man will appear in heaven means what? The destruction of Jerusalem, like we just saw in verse 29, the smoke, the fire, all those things being, just, all those signs of destruction. 
And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory there in verse 30. Well, the destruction will be of such devastation and such manifestation of God's power and glory that all the tribes shall mourn there, as we see there in verse 30. Verse 31, And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end to the other, there in verse 31. Uh, the great sound of the trumpet indicates that, that that God is calling His people to be perspective, uh, to be perceptive rather, and watch. The trumpet was used on many occasions in the Old Testament to call people to to march to war, uh, to march and to march to war. It's symbolic of calling the tribes to beware of what is going to happen. This is a demonstration of God's providential care of His people. Gathering together his elect means that one is chosen. He chooses only those who believe, that is, who obey and love him. And so uh, what's going to happen? Well, we know, as we have seen already, if we back up previous to verse 24, we left off last time. He talked about, for instance, we back up to about verse uh, 15 or 16 here and following. Uh, those who are they are told when they see these things happening, they are to flee to certain places. And, so, and he's speaking directly to those who are, servants of God, those who are of the elect, those who are of the elect, as you find mentioned in verse 31, uh, they're to be gathered together. This is not a reference to the rapture. Uh, the rapture, as we, as we, if you were to define it, is the idea that the, the saved at some point in time are going to be raptured up with God and that everyone else is going to be left on earth during all the different time, during all the different so-called trumps and things you find in Revelation, that people use a lot of figurative language to try to show that these things are actually literal when they're not. Uh, but the rapture is not a idea that's actually taught in Scripture. This, these gathering together the elect from the four winds from from one from one end of heaven to the other, is the idea that the faithful are going to be saved, be spared if they listen to God's word, which was to get out when you see those things coming. Uh, the rapture actually provides a second chance for people who were not faithful because by definition the rapture is that people are somebody being left behind on earth after the rapture or after rapturing of the faithful some are left behind during all these other all, all during all the tribulation and they're given the opportunity to to come to god during that time that's not what the bible teaches peter long before we ever get to the book of revelation and and all throughout the the gospel accounts, Christ tells us that the, that the judgment day was coming. No one knows when it's going to come. God's going to judge every man. So the rapture goes against those teachings. Peter tells us when the, when the, when the, uh, when Christ returns, that the earth will melt to the fervent heat. All the elements thereof, uh, will, will be destroyed. Uh, so there will be no place for someone to dwell if there was a quote rapture period. Um, but I'm sure, and I have some books in my office about, this idea that taught from a denominational perspective and i will tell you it's one of the most confusing books i've ever read uh, and i said it to say that if we would just stick with the bible we're going to find that things are not as difficult as our denominational friends make it sound make it sound uh you know i've heard people talk about uh well i think we're in this trump or this trump because i'm out the, uh, the trump is there in revelation that was all in relation to the destruction of jerusalem it was all about them remaining faithful to God. Now, look with me at verse 32, going through to verse 34. And you have here the parable of the fig tree, verse 32 through verse 30, uh, through verse 35, rather. And so I want to read all this together, and then we'll come back and look at it together. 
He says here, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that the summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assured as I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will, will by no means pass away. Now this is a very important section. Because if this is because if what he's talking about here is in regards to Christ's second coming, then there must be, there's only two options. Either this isn't talking about Christ's second coming, and it's talking about destruction in Jerusalem, because, or we have some very old people on the earth. Well, I mean by that, we have some very ancient people on the earth. Because notice what he says here. Look at verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. He uses that idea of the fig tree to say that you know when you know when it starts to put forth fruit that the summer is coming, right? It's a sign, right? We well, talking about signs, right? Well, what have you said? What have we said about signs concerning the chapter 24? Well, if it's talking about signs, it can't be a, a reference to Christ's second coming because no one knows. Look at verse 33. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Again, talking about signs. What's near the door? Is it is it the second coming of Christ? Well, it can be. Because look at verse 34. Just in these few verses alone, that destroys the idea that these things are talking about the second coming of Christ. Look at verse 34. As surely I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. This generation... Those who are presently living, that living generation during his time, he's saying, will by no means pass away till all these things take place. If it's a reference to the second coming of Christ, there are some very old people hiding somewhere because they weren't supposed to pass away, right? So what is he talking about? It has to be talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, that those living during that time period will not pass away until they see the destruction of Jerusalem. Then... Obviously, at some point later, they would pass away. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. It means the earth is going to pass away, but these words that I've spoken are not going to pass away. They're going to live on. Well, we're still talking about them today. And so we get all the way up into here, and it's interesting that as you kind of conclude, as you conclude this section concerning the destruction of Jerusalem, the, the last thing he says concerning it is, that, oh, by the way, there are no signs or there are signs concerning destruction in Jerusalem. In verse 36, he says, and there are no signs. So what is he talking about? Are there signs or are there not signs? Well, he switches gears and he begins to talk about something else, right? All the way to verse 35, you have the destruction of Jerusalem. You have signs. You have wonders. You have, you know, warnings that when you see it coming, don't, you know, don't go in your house and get your stuff. Just go. Pray it doesn't happen when you're pregnant or nursing children because the travel is going to be difficult. Just go, right? Well, if that's the case, those things, again, they can't be referring to the second coming because what would it matter if you were pregnant or if it came during winter or those types of things? Because he's talking about something physical. He's talking about destruction in Jerusalem. Verse 36 begins talking about the second coming of Christ. And it's interesting that it's actually very short in comparison to destruction in Jerusalem. What he talks about concerning the second coming is actually very brief. Look at verse 36. He says, but of that day, of that day, not that time period, not of that uh, destruction, because destruction, destruction in Jerusalem, the, the wars and battles and, and, and the, on, the onslaught could have lasted for several days. I don't know offhand how long it lasted, but you notice 
when he, he's talking about here in verse 36, a singular date. But of that date, an hour, he says, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So what is he talking about? Well, we know, moving up to verse 35, there are signs concerning a certain event. Go all the way back to chapter 24, the very beginning, and what were the questions that were asked. Uh, looking at verse... Um, I'll see, where was it at? Verse 3, there we go. Uh, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us what, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Uh, what is he talking about? The destruction of Jerusalem. Because in verse 2, what does Christ say? Do you see all these things? Because they were showing him the, the buildings of the temple there in Jerusalem. And he says, All these things, you know, he says, There shall not be left here upon, there shall not be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Verse 2. And so they ask the question, Tell us when will these things be? That's a reference to destruction of Jerusalem. What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Well, the sign of his coming, well, there is no sign of his coming, as we're seeing here in verse 36, and the end of the age. The end of the age, as we find here in verse 3, and let me just back up here for just a moment. The end of the age, or the end of the world. Uh, so what would be a sign of, the, like, of your coming or thy, of your presence there in verse 2? Uh, verse 3, and the end of the world, they confused what Jesus said with the second coming and the end of the world. They wanted to know if there would be a sign that would indicate such. They, the way they asked these questions indicates some confusion on their part here in verse 3. But there are definitely two, but there are two, definitely two questions asked, and Jesus answers them in that order. And so, he does answer these things, right? He answers the destruction of Jerusalem, because that's the first thing they ask. And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Well, when Christ comes back, it will be the end of the age. We'll be in the world, right? We fast forward now to where we are now, verse 36, of that day and hour. What's he answering now? The sign of his coming and the end of the age or in the world. When, when, how we know that's going to take place? He says, not even, he says, that day and hour, no one knows, verse 36, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so will also be the coming of the Son of Man be. What did he just say? Oh, now he's talking about the second coming. He literally says it word for word. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be what? Why did he, he say that there? As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be, which means what? There'd be no, you know, Noah didn't know when exactly that, that the rains were going to fall. He built the ark, and when the ark was done, it started to fall, right? And when he, after he got his family in the ark, and he got his, you know, remember it was God who put Noah in the ark. Noah didn't decide when to go in the ark. The Bible tells us God told him when to go in the ark, and God was the one who shut him in, and God was the one who caused the rain to fall. Uh, and the rain to come up, <laughs> the water to come up, right? He says, and notice this, verse 38, For as, in, days in, as in, in days before the flood, verse 38, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so they so also was the coming of the Son of Man be. What was he talking about? They, don't, they won't know when it's coming. They won't know when the second coming is going to be. Uh, we will not know when the second coming is going to be. Now, again, we get here to verse 42, um, excuse me, verse, verse 40. Then two, men, then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Is this talking about the rapture? Well, let's look again at verse 40. Uh, remember, no one knows when the Lord's going to come. 
then two shall be in the field, one, sh one shall be taken, the other left. This is a, you must say, a more specific description of what's going to happen. The two in the field, one taken, the other left, is because Christians leave, uh, live beside sinners in this world. We live in the world, but this shows that we do not live of the world. One did the Lord's will, and the other did not. One was taken, one was left. Well, the idea there is not the idea he's actually left on earth. But what happens to those who don't follow God? They don't get to go to heaven, right? So in that sense, you could say they are, quote, left behind. In the sense, they don't get to go to heaven. They get to go, to, they get to go on to Sheol, to uh, more specifically, not uh, more specifically to hell, right? They're not, they're not left, and since they're left on the earth, they're left to go with all the other sinners to go on to destruction. It cannot be a reference to, to, to the coming to this, to uh, them being left on the earth, because Peter has, tells us as well, again, that when Christ returns, the earth is going to be destroyed. So there'd be nowhere for them to be left, right? Verse 41, two will be grinding at the meal. Two women will be grinding a meal. One will be taken, and the other left there in verse 41. The two women grinding a meal, one will be taken, the other left, teaches the same lesson as in the previous verse. Um, these may have been uh, these may have been there to get their own grain ground. The one taken is a Christian. The one left is not. The one is taken gets to go to heaven with God. One does not. On the judgment day, think about this. On the judgment day, we stand before God. What's going to happen? The faithful get taken by God to heaven. The unfaithful are left to what? To go to destruction. They're literally, you must say, are told to let, to 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 leave, right? Uh, not being left on the earth again. It can't be a reference to that. It has to be a, this idea. Has to be the idea they're left behind to go to destruction. They're left out of the sight of God, not being left on the earth. The earth will not be here when Christ returns. The Bible tells us that over and over and over again. Verse forty-two. Watch therefore, he says, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Plain as day, we do not know when the Lord's coming back. He says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, verse 43, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into, verse 43. Verse 44, therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming an hour you do not expect. Um, he's saying here, gives that example, you know, if you know, if you knew a thief was coming to your house and try to rob you, wouldn't you just be waiting for them? Once you have the cops sitting at the corner of the streets, their lights off, waiting for this guy to show up so you can arrest him, will you be waiting, uh, you know, with uh, protection for yourself, for your family, for your for your home? Yeah, I'd be waiting for him so you, so you wouldn't be broken into. But we don't know when he's coming back, verse 44. Therefore, you also be ready. The sun man is coming at an hour you, you do not expect. We do not know. People pr try to point so many signs. Well, this is, you know, the Lord's coming back in this year. The world's going to end this year. Because when the world ends, Christ is coming back. When Christ is coming back, the world ends. People word it differently than the world. You know, the end is coming. We don't know when. Is it coming? Oh, yeah, it's coming. Do we know when? No, we do not. Looking with me here now at verse uh, 45 through verse 51. Uh, verse 45 through verse uh, 51. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is, is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find doing find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, 
and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and an hour that he is not aware of, and he will cut him into, uh, and he will cut him in two and point him his point him his portion with the hypocrites. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, uh, what is he talking about here in verse 45 through verse 51? He's talking about those who, who are, we want to be those who are that wise and faithful servant who are living in a way that's pleasing to God, and we don't want to be those who say, well, the Lord's not coming back for a long time, and uh, so let's just do whatever we want. That's what he's talking about. In verse 48, Master is delaying his coming, and he begins to beat his fellow servants, to eat and drink with drunkards. He begins to do what? Go out and live, do whatever he wants to do, right? That's the idea of verse 49. Verse 1551 means the master is going to come back in a time when he's not, when this guy isn't expecting it. And what's going to happen? He's going to be punished. He'll be appointed his portion with the hypocrites there in verse 51. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is uh, many times applied to the uh, reference to uh, hell. And so his appointment is to hell. And so when we see things like an appointment, it doesn't mean they're appointed to some place of honor. It means what? Here they're being appointed to weeping and gnashing of teeth. Being left behind, as we saw earlier, doesn't mean, or being left, see there, notice it says left, not left behind. I shouldn't say left behind, because they were they were left, they weren't left behind. What were they left for? They, le- they were left to go into destruction. They were left to go into, as we find in verse 51, a place that is, uh, that it has weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, there in verse 51. Um, in chapter 25, begins... Uh, several parables actually you have the parable of the wise and foolish virgins uh, virgins there in verses 1 through 13 the parable of the talents verses 14 uh, through verse uh, 30 and then you have uh, then you move beyond the parables there in, in verse 31 and following so I want to look at the parable of the, of the ten of the wise and foolish virgins the ten virgins five wise five, five foolish and then we'll, then we'll conclude our study for today because this goes right along of what we've been talking about because it's interesting that in chapter 24 it's the destruction of Jerusalem it's the coming of the son of man it's the end of the age which is the same time right the coming of, the coming of Christ the end of time the same thing because when Christ returns time's over and in chapter 25 which we know of course Chapters are man-made, right? They were added by men much, uh, much, much later than uh, a long time after the apostles and things like that. And so just because we see divisions here in a new verse starting doesn't indicate that this is actually a new thought uh, or, or, or separate event or separate place or separate time or teaching. Because chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, with the uh, parable of the wise and foolish virgins, teaches us that we should be prepared. Look here at verse uh, 1. Chapter, chapter 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be locked into ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of them were wise, and five were foolish. Now, the bridegroom is Christ. The bride of Christ is the church. The bridegroom, excuse me, is Christ. And so they went out to meet the bridegroom. The idea, the idea is the picture is painted of ten people going out to meet and wait for Christ. And we find verse 2, now five of them were wise, five were foolish, five were prepared, and five were unprepared. That's what we find there. Verse 3, uh, those who were foolish took their lamps and took no, oil, took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Verse 5, And so, which means uh, he didn't come immediately. 
delay doesn't mean that he uh, was late or something like that. Uh, but he came later. Doesn't mean that he was. He just didn't come as soon as they thought, right? This isn't meant to be in, in, spoken of in a, in a negative light. It says he was delayed. Verse 6, And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, a bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Now, we look here at verse 10. The the bridegroom, his wedding, would be, if it's Christ, it's talking about the church, right? As we know that. The bride, the bride of Christ is the church. And so they go in to, to be with Christ. They are prepared for when Christ returns. That's the image we're having painted here. They were, they were ready when Christ returns. Verse 11. Afterward. The other virgins also uh, came, came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Surely I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, if you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man is coming. The point in verses 1 through 13, be ready for when Christ comes back. We have to be prepared. Uh, we don't want to be those who are not prepared. The, the worst thing a Christian can do, uh, well, there's a lot of bad things, of course, we can do, but we don't want to be found unprepared on the day of judgment. We don't want to be found unprepared when Christ returns. Because remember, when he does return, it is judgment day. Okay, we're going to stop there this morning. I do thank you for, for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this Bible study. Uh, I hope you'll tune in again next time. Uh, we'll, we'll, next time we will pick you up in Matthew 25 and verse 14. And uh, again, you can find these uh, lessons in, in the audio format on our uh, podcast page, and there's a link to that there on Bible Media. And so you can share it that way, and of course you can share uh, this video uh, as well on Facebook also. I believe you can share this outside the group. I think I've done that before as well. So I do thank you for being here with me. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. I hope to see you again next time. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.